Welcome, friends and lovers of all things shrill and loud women pod. Uh, it's it's me, your girl, Toki Kavanaugh, here with my co-host and dear friend, Marissa Emanuel. And we are reviewing season three, episode four, Ranchers. Oh boy. This was a big one. You know, Lots. it's funny. After last episode, I feel like you and I were both kind of like, I mean, it was a nice episode. Like, episode three was fun. Like, there was some some good moments, but it didn't have a lot of meat to it. This one, they, we came back mm-hmm. with, like, full meat. Like, 100% meat this episode. Yes. I was like, this is a lot to process. I'm glad I watched this earlier in the day, so I had time to, like, emotionally think about this. Um, okay. Shall we... Where where do we where do we begin? Because I feel like there's where, should we start from the beginning? I, let's start at the start. We'll, from stop, the top but we'll start at the top. So we uh, this episode opens with we kind of jump right in. Uh, Annie is driving to the picket ranch to uh, write her story about this separatist group that they. Uh, hinted at a little bit last episode so she's talking to nick mm-hmm. we on the phone we we realize that they're having dinner tonight uh then she gets a call from her colleague who uh, actually knows what he's talking about and probably would be better suited to write this article uh, and and we're we're getting the sense of you know sort of she's heading there there's it's it's a little bit sh- a little sketchy we're feeling a little nervous right from the get-go Okay, so I have two questions up top. One, who was that woman in his office? I forget her coworker's name, but like she's just prancing around. <laughs> who? I didn't know that he had it like that. Like what? Like pay my student loans, Dad. I, I did not like, catch who? that until the second time I watched it, and I was like, wait a second, what's happening here? Also, I like her outfit. Yeah. <laughs> it was cute. Cheek. It was cute. Um. Yeah, I just, who was that? And also, two, Annie should have known that this this was about to go straight to hell when a child of the corn picked her up in that tractor. Like, what? what <laughs> why do why do none of the children speak? The, there, there is a very, like, The Shining-esque vibe about the kids in this in this ranch like they i don't feel like any of them are super safe i think they're all ghosts i I definitely was nervous yeah i mean homeboy i don't know what that was it alfalfa from the little rascals i don't know whose child that was and he just pulled up in a tractor like it was not like just casual just in a rough riders four wheel i'm like where are the rest (laughs) like where are the locks and dmx what what I just, I don't understand what's going on. I was so confused. And he just didn't speak the whole time. Just a whole child of the corn. It was so eerie. It was so spooky. It definitely gave me, like, I grew up in Maine, and it definitely gave me some Maine vibes of people that would drive, like, their pickup truck, their dad's pickup truck around town when they were, like, eight years old. And you're like, you're definitely not old enough to drive a pickup truck. Like, that's this is not legal but hey i guess that's the beauty of living on a separatist ranch where you don't have rules how how are you reaching the pedals at eight but i guess that's neither here nor there i have a lot of questions about maine 
Kittery's cool. But anytime any farther north and things start to get a little bit hairy. Uh, but I can't talk. Uh, so, so, you know, in a similar vein, uh, then, you know, we see Annie get serenaded right out the gate by the creepy horror movie twins. Um, again, you know, they're just putting their best foot forward, showing off, showing off their local kiddos. I think that should sum yeah. up my reaction. Yeah, I had a similar similar energy. So it's, you know, it was kind of interesting. They they set us up with this, like, unsettling, these sort of unsettling, unsettling interactions at the very top. Um, but then, you know, we kind of get the sense that Annie and this woman, Clara, are kind of vibing. Like, they're joking around a little bit. There's these female bonding moments that are happening. Annie's sharing a bit about her life. It seems like... Clara is starting to like trust her a little bit and so I'm like okay you know what maybe maybe Annie is equipped to handle this maybe this will go maybe this will go well they had me at the moments of kinship like the moments of maybe not full kinship but like moments of understanding they had me at the moments of middle ground but then they cut to white people with guns and I got real (laughs) concerned I got concerned I get concerned I'm sorry I just it was a lot. It was a lot to witness. Eh, eh, mm. Annie, get your gun. And I've never felt that more than watching this episode of Shrill. <laughs> My level of person of color concern <laughs> was was at least like a 14 at that point watching this. Yeah. There's something interesting that happens too with like rednecks that, sorry, I can say that. Uh, people uh, who live in this, you know, out in the boonies who are big gun people who like to shoot in their backyards. There's something about the way they behave when they meet somebody who isn't like a gun person. So like I give off very like not like, I don't know. I feel like I give off very lefty vibes. And when I show up to somewhere that has a gun, they're like, Oh my God, shoot the gun, shoot the gun. And I will say it's kind of fun to shoot a gun in a backyard. So I did feel like, all right, I get it, Annie. She got very excited. I got it, but I understand the fear. Mm, I get it, but I'm of the mindset that no one should ever need a gun. Like the country should be, you know, our our world should be such a place that no one should ever feel the need to have a gun. Like if you are someone who's living a life where you think you need a gun, it's, it's reflective of a larger system that's probably failing you more than anything. Yeah. I just, yeah. But but, mm, mm, let me, let me just rein the No, but it's true. And I think that's, that kind of plays into this whole dynamic, right? Like even what we're talking about and we're kind of laughing about it, but that all kind of plays into like the undercurrent of this whole episode. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, they're having this conversation out by the guns. She's like weirdly telling them all of this information about Nick and the relationship with Nick. And it really filled us in as the audience of how she was looking at it. Like I didn't quite get up until this point that Annie was like, oh, we're about to be boyfriend, girlfriend. Like Annie really was like we are on the cusp of a relationship and i found it very weird that she was being this candid with these folks but i was like you know what whatever gets your job done i don't know how this works i feel like i've learned the hard way not to talk to people about a boy because somehow it's jinxed it right 
especially yeah. like someone in that type of especially someone who doesn't like know you well and you're like well there's this guy he will never be your boyfriend if you say well there's this guy to somebody that you don't know that's just it's fully jinxing it and so immediately mm. i was like oh this is doomed to fail like i from that moment i was like oh, okay annie is ready to like lock it down and it's not gonna happen it just you just knew it the vibes were off but okay, in her, in Annie's defense, because we're going to get to that later in the episode, but in Annie's defense, you don't take, oh, you're my new favorite person to breakfast like all the time. No. Like all the no. time. And you don't send them a screenshot of their own thirst trap with a heart emoji. Like, okay, no, we'll say, okay, I'm, I'm putting an end to this because we need to carry this into the end. This is, we can't get ahead of ourselves. True, true, true. So I'm going to, I'm going to get us back on track here and say okay Annie's sitting down with Clara they then are having their little lunch together um and you know again it still seems kind of nice they're all getting along and then um things start to go off the rails when Clara compares her husband to uh Martin Luther King Jr. I I see the floor yes um what these are the kind of all right hold on Hold on. Let me let me gather. Let me gather before I alienate an entire swath. If they're of still listeners. here, then they know what they're here for. <laughs> Our, to our white listeners, I love y'all. But listen, this kind of woman is the same type. Mm, li- listen, Suzanne, Clara, whatever your name is. Okay, I know your ass in 1968 was the same type of white person who'd be like, get this so and so off of my tv i don't understand why these blacks need right you're the same kind of person who would have hated martin luther king and then you turn around and use his quotes especially to weaponize against people who have um white people who are more left-leaning and more anti-racist and of course against black people uh mm, this mm, listen when a bitch serves corn chili for lunch never trust her she's probably racist (laughs) that corn salad was racist that was a dead giveaway. I don't care. I don't, I'm, I'm livid. I'm so upset. I'm so upset. Like, I just, mm, I knew it was going to go there. I knew it was going to, I knew it. It's like, we knew as she was driving up that most likely that's where this was headed, right? Like we all knew that's probably where this was going, but they lulled us into this kind of false sense of like, oh, I don't know, maybe they're good people. And then they just, nope, nope. No, they hit you with it. And uh, that corn salad was racist will likely be the title of this episode. Very rarely in the moment do I know, but that was just completely accurate. Uh, it, it really started to go Thank off you. the rails there. I think she she quickly showed her hand um, and it was it was really uh, uncomfortable to watch. And Annie saw her opening and she just kind of went in. She brought up uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. Clara said we're not going there made it very clear she didn't Annie gave her layup after layup would you guys ever issue a statement about some you know would you ever sort of disavow the people in this movement that are white supremacists like would you ever intentionally separate yourself from that she kind of gave her pretty easy layups and Clara was like nope nope taking my racist corn salad and I'm getting out of here that pie was racist too I don't care I, I'm so, oh, God, Ugh, black, black people were free and so, you know what? Free these nuts. All right, Clara. 
That's beautiful. No, that was honestly, um, that was beautiful. Um, I, I just don't, I don't have the words. No, right I now. think that's all you need to say. <laughs> it, it, it was just, it was a really interesting conversation. I liked how they kind of, it, it was, it was an interesting conversation. It was interesting to watch. It made me feel very nervous and unsafe. And I can only imagine how uh, that felt across the board. Um, so, you know, Clara quickly shuts down and then, you know, she, she really she starts doubling down on Annie and she shows that, you know, she did read all of Annie's work. So she's really going in on the fact that, you know, Annie doesn't have a man in her life, that Annie had the abortion. She's really kind of saying, all right, you know what, if you're going to bring up this, then I'm going to, I'm going to go in on you. And so at that point it was clear the interview was, was pretty much over. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was interesting just from, like, a journalist perspective, how quickly she kind of just, she kind of just blew it up as soon as it went that, that place. I was kind of like, I don't know, see what you, see what else you can get out of her. Like, this is, see if you can get her to talk more. But Annie was pretty much just like, nope, this is, we're not doing this shit. And I totally respect that view as well. I mean, it's like, that's, when you find those yourself in those situations, it's like a whole, a whole, a whole other deal. Yeah, go ahead. You know, I, I commend Annie for, you know, stepping foot, stepping claw. She was, was she wearing, wearing those, those no, backless she... shoes. I was like, girl, that's brave. That was dumb. <laughs> for, for stepping mule <laughs> on that. That's the name of that show. Um, Thank you. <laughs> on that uh, plantation separate. I don't know what to call it. Mm. Uh, I just, I, uh, mm. I cannot find the words in English, but just know I highly disapprove of these kind of people. I judge. Yeah, yeah I don't blame you. I think it's it, it's interesting, you know, just in this current moment too. It was just sort of a an interesting lens to look at some of these subjects through through this sort of extremist extremist lens. But uh, you know, so Clara wraps things up, gives her a pie, which I'm immediately like that's unsafe uh and she makes a joke about eating around the arsenic and i'm like no that's not a joke like there's poison in that pie like this is unsafe you need to leave you need to escape um and so annie gets in her car and and tears off yeah yeah i any any final thoughts on the uh (laughs) on the separatist ranch the picket ranch oh they can stay there they can you know that's what you feel keep it you know (laughs) You want to let those kids <laughs> drive around all day? Keep it. Keep it. Keep it. Yeah, that was a lot. It was so that was a pretty heavy. And I, you know, I at the end of the scene, I kind of looked down at the timestamp, and I was like, "Oh, that's only fifteen minutes into the episode. We're not even halfway through the episode. Like that was a fucking lot. Like that was a lot." Um, but I liked it. They panned, They packed so much into just that 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, that was an intense, it was an intense episode. So, okay, so while all of this is going down, uh, our, our good friends, Fran and Emily, decide that they uh, would like to make a sex tape. Um, my biggest note here was that they decided to shoot their sex tape uh, with a, their phone horizontal instead of, or vertical instead of horizontal. I was like, why would you do that? If you're going to... If you're going to shoot a sex tape, at least give yourself full screen. You know what I mean? I I want to see that ass in CinemaScope. Like, why would you, why, why would you vertical? Why would you do that? In such I a I don't moment? understand, but, and like, th- that's fine. You know what I mean? If that's how you want to do it, that's totally fine. Um, so we, we sort of start off with them and then, you know, 
Fran comes into the kitchen while Annie is making uh, Nick pasta for dinner. And so I'm like, oh, okay, they're having dinner at the house. Okay, okay. Mm. Tells Fran that she's going to tell Nick she has feelings for him. Um, She calls Fran out on the fact that Gatorade is her sexy fuel, which I just thought was notable because I was like, that actually is really smart. I got to get those electrolytes up. Uh, And also, like, who just keeps that much Gatorade in their house? But, like... Maybe I should start keeping Gatorade in my house. Like, why? Who am I to judge, you know? I, you know what? I, listen, you, you gotta refuel. You gotta, if you, if you feckin', you gotta fuel. I, I can't, I can't hate. Put a, put a, what is that? A Luna bar? Those are for women. (laughs) Put a Luna bar in the kit too. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? That'll work. Um, I, I only think about Gatorade from a hangover perspective, but I didn't really think about it on that side of things. And, you know, maybe I need to. So honestly, thank you to whoever in the writer's room, um, leverages Gatorade in this, in this way, because it's now opened my mind. Um, so Nick comes over, they're having dinner. They're having this very like low lit romantic dinner together in the living room. Okay. Can, can I just, by all means, I just, I, I, I am so disappointed because Annie went and cooked a whole batch of victory dick pasta. You are going to tell me, sir, that you let this woman cook you a whole serving of some penis a la vodka and you not going to dick her down? Sir! Sir! Exit the premise. Okay, all right. It's true. Continue. I did think it was actually like a, and maybe a, an in, uh, an unintentional callback to season one when she was like eating the, the, the post dick pasta in the kitchen. I was like, okay, pasta's her like getting it meal, which, you know, Fran does the Gatorade, Annie carpo loads and like everybody's got their own process. And I, and I respect that. But they're clearly having like a romantic dinner. They're having this long joke about like getting the ranch together and like what their life would look like on this fake jokey ranch. Like they're very clearly vibing. Um, and it's it's like this nice little romantic moment. I, the setup too on the like Betty sofa situation with all the houseplants hanging. How is such a charming, such a charming house. I know we talk about it all the time, but very charming setup. Now, before we get too far down the Annie and Nick path, we just have to quickly check back in on Fran and Emily as they watch their sex tape. Um, Not good immediately. See, that's where I see. It's not just the vertical aspect. See, I knew they fucked up because they, the dog was in the room. You, you don't know. As soon as the pet's in the room, it's going to go downhill. You ne- And you also just never want to watch yourself unless there was a production crew involved. I'm sorry. Like, you, I need a gaffer and a mic man on set if we're going to, if we're going to make a whole, not that I would. Okay. I'm a Puritan. <laughs> Don't judge. But. I was going to say, I think anyone who's listened to this podcast more than one episode knows that neither of us is actually going to go down this path because we're afraid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I'm just saying, like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna film yourself doing the jail, you gotta have somebody on set who knows I your angles. I would, at the okay? minimum, I would need lighting. Like, I would need a lighting specialist to come in and just, like, help me out with lighting. At minimum. 
Um, as soon as they set up that camera at the foot of the bed, I was like, oh, that's going to be a trash sex tape. Like, that's not a good angle for anybody. I don't care if you are Brad Pitt. That is not a good angle for anybody. Like, what is that? So it, at least get up a little higher. You know what I mean? Get that from above angle. So it was it was destined to fail from the beginning. But you know what? It was fun to watch because it was like, no, <laughs> their sex tape was super fun to watch. <laughs> that's not what I meant. But also, I mean, hey, good for both of them. Uh it's 2021 it felt it. authentic like it felt like oh that's what it would be like like we would all like i would have this moment of like confidence and then you see it and you're like oh but the beauty of it was like i loved when emily was like yeah you were acting super your face was weird but like i was clearly like horned up for it like look how free like look how horny i was for your weird face and i was like oh my god what a beautiful sentiment that like we all are so weird in those moments and like no, no one really looks that cool in those moments but when it's the person you love or you're into or you're just feeling it it doesn't matter that you look really stupid out of context and i think that's beautiful no one has any excuse for their O face. Like everyone's O face is terrible in real life. Uh, also, also, yes, ma'am. I've I've had the misfortune of overhearing people, uh, but that might be one of the worst things. It's up there. It's up there with when last year I went on that nerd cruise, and the people in the cabinet, a cabinet cabin adjacent to ours i overheard a person yell oh coitus like that's number one yes ma'am is number two it was a nerd cruise i don't know they were probably mit grads Who knows? <laughs> yeah i forgot about the yes ma'am that was um yeah it's it just it comes out it comes out sometimes so uh yeah i i thought that was beautiful i liked that uh i liked that they ended with sort of admitting their love for each other and i liked that fran said it first because it brought me back to the end of last season where like Emily was the one that was pining after Fran. Emily was like wanting this so badly. And now Fran's the one that's like, yeah, I'm going to be vulnerable and put myself out there. And they are just such a like equitable, like 50, 50 relationship that I just think is really beautiful and fun to watch. So I've never, I, okay. I had, I watched a porn once, but it was under duress. It don't look at me once? like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, this is a whole other episode. When you say you are a Puritan, you are not joking. <laughs> I'm not joking. Jeez. Okay, continue. <laughs> I watched a porn once. It was under duress. Um, but of course, it was it was straight people things. So I'd never actually seen, um, you know, I, what? No, continue. I'm just blown. I'm like blown away. Continue. The, uh, no, finish your thought by all means. I didn't mean to distract you with my shocked face. It's okay. I've seen some teddies. Like, I've seen the parts, but I've never actually seen, you know, the So was this the closest thing that you have seen to two women getting it on? Yeah. Damn. I know. It's 2021, Tucky. (laughs) Sexuality is is fluid, you know what I mean? I know. I know. I know. No, just, anyway, sorry, okay. I interrupted you. This was not your point. Can go ahead. No, I, I guess no, I tracked okay. you. It's okay. It's it's cool. It's cool. So I'd never. I, I have no baseline from which to judge this particular scene, right? In terms of, I I knew the production value was about to be ass, but that you know, again, get somebody in the room who knows your angle, get mic'd up, 
have a gaffer, have, you know, someone, someone who can yell cut if it's not, but, but anyway, so I had no baseline or like other context from which to judge, um, the, the quality I would say of this particular sex scene or just like a depiction of two women being intimate. I was, I was glad to see it. Cause see, like you don't, you never do see it's always, it's always straight, cis straight focus and dick focused. Um, so it was like, oh my God, these two women who love each other engaging in intimate relations. Right. Um, so it was, it was really as, as wild as it was to watch. It was very, um, touching to see, <laughs> to see that. Um, but I, Okay. But my main point is that like they were enjoying it in the moment, but looking back, it was like, oh, this is, whoa, delete, delete. (laughs) Right. And I feel like straight couples, cis straight couples engaging in sex have plenty of opportunity to depict sex that is trash. Like maybe they enjoyed it in the moment, but like looking back, they were like, oh no, this was a a terrible lay, whatever. And it's just nice to have, not people, people, I hope people get what I mean when I say this. It's nice to see that pairs, partnered people, other than cis straight people, can also aspire to mediocre sex and have that <laughs> depicted. <laughs> and it's not just, you know, cis straight sex. I, I think that's, that's so the main. true. It's like that's the beauty of representation is that you get a full scope of, you don't just get people looking having perfect looking sex to achieve real rep, real like representation on screen you've got to show same sex couples having sh- bad or good sex but that looks weird like it's just all it's all part of the whole thing i think the other the other piece of it too is so often what we see is through a, a male gaze when we see two women mm. that are being intimate um and so to see it through uh what was clearly like a female production team, a predominantly female production team, that's different as well. And that also gives you some of that authenticity that when it's coming from a man, it's like, oh, and then they just caress each other's bosom. And it's like, not real, you know? And so I like that as well. You know, that's a great point because it didn't, like, I'm I'm clearly a voyeur in the situation, but it didn't feel voyeuristic. It didn't feel lecherous. It didn't feel like, ew, I'm, I'm, I'm looking in on these two hot women. Yeah. You know, it just felt more sincere and more. Yeah. I I thought it was a really fun way to explore that too, through the lens of this, this sex tape. I just thought that was a really interesting scene. And it was just another moment where I was like, wow, these two are one of my favorite couples on TV ever. I just think that they're so much fun to watch. I love them. Uh Uh-uh. I just feel like if a man wrote this, the script would, the directions in the script would be like, she titted toward the, she tittied toward her partner and breasted boobily up Breast against her. Like, <laughs> I say this all the time. I love that. Um, and one, I just want to add one, one caveat here because, um, uh, Emily is, uh, does use she, her pronouns. Um, ER Fightmeister, fight, excuse me, Fightmaster is the, uh, actor who plays Emily. Um, and they use they, them, they're, they, them, um, and non-binary. So I just want to mm. make that clear, um, that there is that, you know, we're talking about Emily, the character we've used the word woman, she, her a lot in this conversation. So I just wanted to add that point of clarity. Um, so speaking of which, 
ER is getting a ton of great press. You know, now this is the first episode of recording since the the show came out. So much good press, like so many really mm. good interviews worth digging into. All these performers just have really interesting stories, and I highly recommend you um, read some of the coverage that's been coming out about the show. I thought that they're a great choice for this particular character of Emily. Yes, totally. I'm I'm obsessed with. I just am obsessed with this performance. Yeah, they're they're. There's like power in their presence and this like quiet confidence that is just really fun to watch play off of Lolly and, you know, Fran's character. Um, all right. So you ready to go to the, uh, let's go to this, this, let's oh go to Lord. this shit. I listen, listen, I sharpened my machete <laughs> while watching this. I had to pause and just, this one, mm-hmm. uh, this one hurt right. my feelings. So, um, Annie and Nick are eating in her bed. Um, couple things here. First of all, don't eat that pie. It's poison. Why don't I know? Like, why would you eat that pie? That's a terrible idea. But actually give it to him. Yeah, exactly. End. Take it, let, let, like put it in a little to bag for him and send him home with a poison pie. <laughs> um, second of all, don't sit and eat pie in someone's bed. If you're not going to fuck mm. them, that feels like a very intimate, mm. like if you're not going to have a moment if you're don't get in their bed and eat pie together i can't think of a more intimate romantic gesture than getting into bed with somebody and eating pie together i need that on a poster or a tote bag don't eat my pie unless you're about to eat my pie <laughs> like i i need this because this facts you don't that, mm. in my space on my sheets with the crumbs it's very okay. intimate like, why would they do that? And I want to know how they ended up in the bed. Like, whose idea was it to get in the bed and eat the pie in the bed? Anyway, so, you know, they're sitting in, they're sitting there, they're eating, eating the pie. They're having a nice conversation. And um, we see Annie decide this is her moment to start kind of admitting her feelings. Um, she says, you know, she starts out by saying that he's not stupid and she realizes most of the guys that she dates are stupid. And I'm like, okay, well, this is a nugget of self-discovery that is important. So let's remember this. <laughs> Stop dating idiots. Um, but it was very clear from the moment she started talking, like where this was going. Um, it, the fact that she goes in really hot with like language, like I, I, I'd like to be with you, like very like serious, like. I have feelings for you. And I was like, ah, like as a, as a friend, I was like, oh, just, just say like kiss him or something. Like start one step at a time. Don't like go in asking to be his girlfriend. And he, you could just see all over his face from the moment she started talking that he also knew where this was going and he was not, it was not going well. Oh, the whole episode was absolutely just a cringe a cringe the whole episode okay not not minus fran and emily (laughs) of course but like different kind of cringe when watching the take back but beginning episode was cringe at at the 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 peak of which was at races corn salad but then this moment was just like this is the full like i am a raisin you understand i'm a california raisin from how much i have cringed from watching this particular scene between Nick and Annie. And this is why I don't trust men with push broom You're mustaches. right. You called it. You called it from the beginning and I defended him. The second that he said, it's very flattering. 
I also became a raisin. It was if every ounce of moisture that had ever touched my body just evaporated and I was a prune. Um, I was really grateful that she didn't just let him off the hook. Um, I think that, I think one of the, the, the larger things here is that the, what, what I took out of it, and I'm curious sort of how you read it as well, is that men often treat women like me, like Annie, like sort of plus size women or uh, fat women. They, they feel as if they can treat us like this because they place lower value on our time, on our energy. Um, I've often been in a similar situation where you've been treated like a girlfriend or treated like a partner, but then they don't actually like have that care for you. Um, and so it was really validating for me as someone who felt like I'd been in this experience to, to watch her call, call him out because, you know, you, he was treating her like a girlfriend, like he's going on these breakfast dates, he's texting her all day, he's hyping her up like physically and inviting her to his house at, you know, late at night. And, um, I think a lot of people related to that, that feeling of kind of feeling like, oh, okay, I'm good enough on some level, but like, I'm not actually... I'm not actually good enough for you because of sort of how I look or who I am. You know, I, so that's one thing that was running through my mind. Uh, what's the gif of the lady with like all the math mm. in front of her face? Like that was me for a while because he absolutely appreciates her mind. You can tell that like he values her inner self. But other than the thirst trap that she posted, because we all know the intention of a thirst trap. Other than the thirst trap, has he ever actually told her she's beautiful? That's one, yeah. you know, like, has he ever expressed, uh, not that your physical is the end all be all. I mean, we've we rehashed this discussion a thousand times, especially on this podcast. It's not that all of her value is tied to um, her appearance, but on some level, you know, if if there is interest in you, some of it, a, a portion of that uh, will be in how you look and if you are beautiful to someone, right? And had he ever expressed to her, that's my question, had he ever expressed to her that she is physically beautiful to him? Because like, Andy could get it. Yeah. Like we saw her, We, I mean, she could slay. She looks good. We've seen her in some outfits. Okay. The thirst trap worked. <laughs> right? Yeah. She's not paper bagging out here. She's a good looking woman. Yeah. So has he, has he ever, you know, expressed that kind of desire? Because like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know how sexuality works. Okay. But like, you, you don't want to, you know, you're not going to the bone zone if there's no like, oh, I, you know, you physically look bonable to me yeah and I wonder if it's like how much of it is conscious versus subconscious too because my my watching of that and this is me bringing sort of Marissa personal baggage is like okay he likes her and is probably attracted to, I mean he wouldn't have sort of reacted that way in the thirst trap if he was not physically attracted to her if he didn't have that like romantic on some level attraction to her even if it was just sexual but obviously mental too based on what we're saying <coughs> But if, you know, my, my baggage that I'm bringing and, and my view on it is that it's on some level, he's like, I can't 
be with you romantically in like a public way because of how you look. And so I don't know if it's conscious or unconscious because I think I've had experiences where it's been conscious and I've had experiences where it's been subconscious that somebody kind of draws that boundary because they're like, whether it's before or after you've had sort of, you've hooked up to some degree or you've had those romantic conversations, there are some people who just go, oh, you know what? I'm too conscientious of what everybody else thinks and I need to sort of draw this line here. Um, so that's how I read this is that they do have this connection. He does care about her. He is attracted to her on some level. Um, but there is that block around how she looks. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't negate that at all. I mean, I just, way to waste her time too, especially if he wasn't going to be upfront about his situation. Like you don't, you don't invite your quote unquote favorite person over at 1am after they've post a thirst like you just you don't do that there there are rules to it i mean i'm i feel like season one and to an extent maybe midway to season two annie wouldn't have dragged him and called him out like she did in this particular instance so i really appreciate that just because it's like why would you do any of that if there was not interest on your end why suddenly now is it an issue when she expresses that she is receptive to all these things that you've put out, all these vibes that you've put out. And you know, he knows he put out vibes. He knows. And he and knows. I think, you know, I keep thinking about this. <laughs> I don't know how many of y'all watch New Girl. Uh, I keep thinking about this one episode of New Girl where they're talking about the concept of being an emotional fluffer, where you treat somebody like they are your boyfriend or your gir- girlfriend or your romantic partner, but you don't actually, you are not actually romantic with them, but you get comfort and you get affirmation and you get all of these things from having this like verbally intimate relationship without actually having to be in a relation without having the hard stuff. So you get all the fun stuff of that person who's like validating you over text all day. You're getting those fun coffee dates in the morning, but you don't have to do the hard stuff of like actually being in a relationship. And that's kind of what I think this is, is that, you know, he's getting the validation. He's getting the ego he's getting the ego boost he's getting the you know having fun with her enjoying her company he is getting everything um and just sucking her energy and then does not intend to give her anything back and and that just made me really sad and yeah to your point wonderful to see her call him out on it because it is such a nuanced thing right it's not she's not mad at him because he doesn't like her she's mad at him because he was very intentionally giving her signals that said one thing and not actually feeling that for whatever reason. He is an, and he's an, he's what they call an energy vampire and they actually sell some products on goop.com <laughs> to help combat those. Are you, are you doing a plug for goop.com right now? I'm not. They lost, they lost me at the yoni Get out of here, Tucky. <laughs> My God, I saw a tweet today that was like, Gwyneth Paltrow ate a loaf of, ate a piece of bread in her low point in quarantine. Don't, don't fucking talk to me about Gwyneth Paltrow and goop. (laughs) No, but it's true. And anyway, to your point, energy vampire, totally a thing. That's exactly what this is, is he is just like getting all this good from her um, and not giving anything back. Also a question. So I haven't watched a lot of new girl and I also haven't watched a lot of porn, but I know what a fluffer (laughs) is. 
is that the same? Yes. That was the same idea is that it's somebody who is giving you all of that like attention, but it's sort of a cross way to say they're giving you all this attention without kind of finishing the job. Um, but it more in a, in an emotional way. So they're giving you all of this, like you're the, you know, in, in this episode of new girl, they're going to, you know, they're going furniture shopping or he's helping assemble her furniture, like things like that, where it's like these kind of intimate moments, not sexual, but just like intimate romantically. Um, but yeah, wow. I'm, I'm proud of you for making that connection, even with your um, limited understanding of pornography. <laughs> thank, thank you. <laughs> we, we, we're oh growing. We're um, growing. Yeah, we're not going to send this episode to our moms. Um, <laughs> I just really <laughs> hope they're not listening to the podcast at this point. Anyway, um, so anyway, I'm glad that she didn't let him off the hook. Um, other, other things that I took note of, uh, when men th- say things like, you're upset as a complete thought. I become a murderer. Like I literally would murder that man. Like you're upset. Like, yeah, bitch, I'm upset. It's your fault. You did this. Don't act like this is me now that I'm the crazy one. Um, and then secondly, when he said, um, I think it's possible you've infused a lot of meaning into everything we've done. Gaslight, gaslight, gaslighting motherfucker gas that is such a gaslight like you fucking knew exactly what the meaning was pretending as if that she is if pretending she's crazy because she put meaning where it was very obvious no don't like that very unhappy do you understand how sharp my machete is now? <laughs> you've been sharpening it From under the table it. this whole recording too it's this whole time because <laughs> i'm ready to find i'm ready to find nick okay nicholas you're gonna get this machete oh that's probably against itunes code of conduct <laughs> but you know what nicholas you go you're gonna get a very firmly worded handshake okay please don't take down this podcast recording itunes it's a pain in the butt to re-upload it so just please spare us um Tuki is harmless <laughs> she's fine <laughs> she's all talk um yeah so so very angry didn't like that and then when annie was just like get the fuck out i was thrilled like it just it, it there's something very freeing about seeing her in these experiences reacting in the way we all wish we could have reacted in those experiences, like seeing her have the presence of mind to be like, no, I'm not going to get sucked into this like tit for tat with you about like misreading signals. Like, no, just leave my house. Um, any final thoughts on Nick and his garbage mustache before we move on? He, he gave the signals. What do you mean? What do you mean? She inserted meeting. What do you mean that she inserted meaning? I just, okay, I am, I am, I've got, okay, I just got off watching Mommy Dearest this Uh. week, and I'm feeling a lot, a lot of, of, of just, of, Tina, (laughs) go get me the axe. Like, I'm feeling a lot of that energy. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. So, so Annie is, you know, has this, this rage, kicks him out of the house. Good for her. And, and, um, you know, she, she goes in, into Fran's room and crawls into bed with, with Fran and Emily and is crying. And I just, I just was like, I want Fran and Emily to like be at my house anytime I'm having an emotional breakdown. So I can just be like, guys, like cuddle me. (laughs) Like that was just really sweet. We don't do that enough for each other. I think just women, female identifying people across the board. I don't, 
Like you need, you need those friends who you can just crawl into the futon with and sob about a fuckboy. Because, man, let me tell you how how. For, first of all, I hope that future Annie looks back on this and is like, "You let this man with a bird chest and a push broom mustache hurt your feelings like this." come into your life and bring you some Dale Denny's. <laughs> you cooked him some peen a la vaca and he didn't even pipe you down. You wasted this whole time on this bird chest man. I'm never going to be able to eat penne ever again without thinking sorry. about peen a la vodka. <laughs> I'm sorry. But yes, so you're sorry. right. We do need to do this for each other. It's really beautiful to see the like vulnerability and authenticity between them. And like I love the fact and this is just a small thing, but I liked the fact that Emily's the partner of Annie's friend, mm -hmm. but she's still so comfortable with them. And I think that's just a fun little hallmark of a healthy relationship is like when your friends are very comfortable with them too. That's how you know it things are probably going well. So I just thought that was sweet. Um, still a wet spot on the bed, but um, you know, that's okay. You you have to deal with that for um true comfort. So I thought that was lovely. Um, any final thoughts on this episode? This was an emotional roller coaster. I am emotionally tired. This was a ride. We we were we went from racist separatists on a compound to <sighs> mustachioed fuckboys who are a waste of good pasta. I hope he took the pie with him. This is, I just, I'm, and I just really, I really want future Annie to look back on this moment and realize how much better she deserved. And I wish that we had, I, I, I have trust issues. Of course I didn't trust his ass off from, from jump, but I just want people in that kind of situation. I want Annie and people who see themselves in Annie to, um, you know, be more attentive uh, when it comes to people who could potentially be energy vampires. See the signs of someone who's wasting your time and, and stringing you along. Not, to, not that I'm advocating for people to have trust issues. I mean, my therapist is great, but <laughs> I, you know, be mindful, protect your peace, protect your energy, and make sure that you surround yourself with people who let you know where you stand with them. I think that's really beautiful advice. Well said. Um, I won't even try to add on to that because it's just going to sound shittier. That's exactly, I think that's a really beautiful lesson to take from this. So guys, that was episode four. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sticking through with us. As always, it's been a pleasure. Um, so uh, we launched the first three episodes uh, last Friday in conjunction with the launch of the show. We'll be releasing every Friday a new episode for the rest of the season, the rest of this final season of Shrill. Um, we're just so excited that you guys watch with us. We love you. It's so much fun to do this. Um, if you have any thoughts, feedback, opinions on anything we said, you can shoot us an email at loudwomenpod at gmail.com. Uh, if you would like to give us a review, that would be awesome. Um, it helps other shrill fans find us so you can leave us a review on any uh, podcast platform and if you just want to talk some shit with us you can uh, find us on social media i'm at hi this is marissa and biz tookie oh 
Good Lord. Listen, I've been trying to chill out on the internet, but I feel, I feel my problematicness creeping back in because someone has to put a stop to white boy summer and it might have to be me. Uh, so you can find me at Tookie Monster, T-O-O-K-Y Monster, and help me on my crusade to end all things Chet Hanks, please. And if anyone you. can do it, it's you, my friend. All right, folks, have a good week and we will see you next time. We love you.